Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Ridlock and Craig Ravel. We're with Alex Davison, who's fresh back on the coast with his family, having been up in North Queensland for Townsville, and then before that in Darwin, and before that in Eastern Creek. And Alex, it must be great to be racing again, but um, you're ripped away from your family for a while. Yeah, I mean, but I, I can't complain about it because anyone from Melbourne at the moment has been away from their family since June. So. I've had yeah, it pretty easy yeah, yeah. where we spent two and a half weeks up in Darwin. So that was a bit of a stretch, especially when when we left for Darwin, we weren't sure how long we'd be away. So um, that was the longest stretch. Fortunately, um, I flew home between the Townsville events. So I've had a pretty easy run from that side, I think. Okay. And Mel and your two kids, they're all well and fit and, and getting on with life in Queensland. Absolutely. We're lucky up in Queensland. Life is going on. The kids have been at school. Uh, Melanie's working hard. And, um, you know, compared to down in Melbourne, it's, it, we've got it very easy up here. So doing well. Looking forward to going racing again. But um, life is cruising along okay. Good to hear. I wanted to get around and get somebody, an experienced hand such as yourself, who's <laughs> first got into supercars, um, Gosh, what year was it? Don't, I can't even don't, remember now. Don't do it to me. Don't okay. say the okay, well, year. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 right, we won't say the year. I'm only joking. But you can do it. it it's um, you, you're um, in a Commodore. It's a triple eight car. You and Chris Spither have been, you know, working your way through. You haven't got <laughs> the greatest resources, but you are able to tap into triple eight and see what they put in their cars. Yeah. Are you getting on top of it? I mean, I know that you haven't got the best equipment in terms of um, uh, the resources in terms of people, but you, you've been behind the eight ball a bit from the start with the program with Team Sydney and all that sort of thing, haven't you? Well, we uh, firstly, yeah, we have we have great equipment. We have, for all intents and purposes, current spec T8 gear, and that gets you and, – and we have um, the IP deal with T8, so we have access to, you know, their engineering support and some setup support and all that sort of stuff. So that – automatically gets even a small team like us to a, a very strong position immediately. Um, unfortunately, in supercars at the moment, P20 is only eight-tenths of a second off pole. So all that that um, investment in equipment and in IP gets you within quite quickly within the top 20. And you've got to you know, think back in the day when smaller teams were building their own cars and engineering their own cars and there wasn't the support available from the likes of T8, um, a small um, team with 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 part-time crew and all that is not going to be 0.8 of a second off um, the front-running teams in the day. So that's, you know, that's part of the reason supercars has got so super competitive and so close in recent years is because no one has bad equipment now. No one has poor hardware. Even the person on the back row of the grid has... It's very similar hardware to, you know, cars up in the top five. Um, so from that side of things, we're in a fantastic position. The difference between the front teams and the bad teams is how good a team they are, not just the calibre of the individuals in the team, but how well 
everyone works together, how well the drivers and the engineers work together, how well the management and the engineers communicate, the engineers and the mechanics, and all these different dynamics and, and lines of communication within the team have to operate smoothly. And this is a process we've been going through throughout the year, and it's been awesome um, and very satisfying from, from my position to see that progress happening, slowly seeing some of the, the fruits of our labour, if you want to put it that way, and um, that sort of, it was a, a very small, very small moment in, in Townsville where it was the first time, um, you know, on the Townsville 2, the second Townsville weekend, the guys after Townsville 1, you know, were really battling with the car, particularly in race trim, and everyone worked really hard there. You know, we, we spent as much time as we could with the T8 guys, debriefed hard. We followed up all the guys in the team, <clears throat> worked their behinds off throughout that week. Um, going through everything, double-checking everything, analysing everything we could, and we made a significant step forward for that second Townsville event with some, um, you know, in practice we were 12th. We followed that up with a 13th in qualifying on Sunday. Even Saturday qualifying had the, you know, the pace was there to be significantly better, and we finished 13th in the race on Saturday as well. So that was quite, although it's a small step, when you look at the you know, we were racing. I remember I spent a lot of that race, one of the right, the Saturday race, battling with Lee Holdsworth and Frosty, who's, you know, had podiums this year. I think T18 have had podiums this year. And we're racing with good quality guys as a team, good quality teams and good quality guys. So that wasn't a small thing for us. And we're um, we're only scratching the surface at the moment. So it's, um, it's yeah. good. Okay. You and Chris, I see as a pair of professional race drivers. You've come from different directions and where you've got to, but um, I see you that you we complement each other well. Chris is a younger man than you, and he's got young. You know, he's only got his first child now, and um, your kids are you know what are they eight and ten something like that? Uh, Seven, eleven. His youth and enthusiasm are a great uh, counter to your experience because that's what you bring to the table. What you've been doing us for you know quite some years and done it very successfully and okay maybe not to the degree in supercar success that you've certainly been seeking but you've certainly carved your niche you know pole positions and things of that nature had your speed are you feeling that you and chris complement each other well do you work well together um yeah look we get along well chris and i um it's early days Look, when you're looking at it from a team perspective, although the best part of a season's gone past, <laughs> um, if you compare the amount of running we've done to a normal year, we're probably not even halfway through the year yet in terms of track yep. track time and, and time working together. So, so it's hard to hard to put that much too much detail on that. But for sure, we're as a team, drivers and engineers and mechanics and everything. Um, I have to say, it has all come together really well. And, you know, definitely Chris and his engineer, Nathan, and, and Stuck and I, more we sort of do our own thing, but then we're, we're in the truck together discussing it. And um, so we, we always keep an eye on, on what, what each other's doing. And, uh, and obviously with that T8 back up in the, in the background as well. Yeah, we are all, all working together. But we're, um, I think the best is yet to come from that regard as well, for sure, in terms of the two car crews, Chris and I and our respective engineering crews working together um, even more closely. I think there's potential to, to, to build upon that as time goes on and as we um, individually get our act together a bit better, then we're going to be able to sort of share that momentum and, and help each other a bit more. And Jono's 
team managing? Is is that his role? John Webby's been unbelievable, I tell you. Um, he's hands-on. He's booking flights. He's booking accommodation. He's um, When the car comes in with work to do, he's, he's in there working on the car. Um, he's cleaning the car. He's putting stickers on. He's ordering bits from AAA. He's dealing with all sorts of supplies and different people. He's... Um, He's got his sleeves rolled up and his head down, I can tell you, this year. And it's um, it's been really good to see Jono, I would say, w- without being around the last few years, but I've known Jono a long time, I would say he's a bit re- revitalised and a bit hungry for it at the moment, which has been fantastic. And I think it's slowly just starting to show the naysayers who weren't taking the Team Sydney deal seriously this year that um, he's, he's serious about it. And, um, yes... Our resources are not the biggest in the field at the moment, um, but it's the first year and, and Jono and Kobe are definitely very serious and, you know, if you sure, saw, if you knew the investment they'd made in the, in the team, you'd know they were, they were serious and here for the long haul as well. The truck came back from Townsville and went to the workshop, which is what was the techno workshop for quite some years. Is that right? You've prepped the cars yeah, there and then, now they're it's on still, their way to... I mean, the... The, the Techno Road Car business still operates out of there, so nothing's really changed. Our, our equipment only moved down there to Sydney a handful of months ago um, before the, the first Sydney round. So, yeah, we've sort of moved back in there for now. And, and Mickey's there in charge of the, the transport section. Yeah, He's Mick's there. Long and, and faithful. All, absolutely, yeah. All the guys are there. Yeah, all our, I mean, obviously our, our whole crew is full-time now, even our Melbourne guys, so it's tough. It continues to be tough for them, and I – you know, I have to catch myself because it, it feels normal now. They're all working like a normal full-time team in our what seems like a very um, a very full-time permanent workshop. But yeah, obviously those Melbourne guys are all away from their families. But yeah, we're they're working hard up there. Yeah, like getting the cars ready. The truck will be on the road tomorrow, I think, down yeah. to Adelaide. Okay. <laughs> and and you fly down when? Uh, we'll all head down Thursday. Are you flying down? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Someone there's no restrictions yeah, yeah. between Queensland and Adelaide, so um, we're fortunate there that um, the, yeah. okay. the logistics are not too complicated for us. And you turn right when you come out of the uh, the road, or turn left rather. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, heading out to the track. Um, th- that's one of the things that's, that's unique about this season, quite apart from having to cope the pandemic, is these back-to-back race meetings. Now, you know, this is the fourth one coming up. You did two at Eastern Creek, two Darwin, two Townsville, and now two in Taylor Men. That's very different thing. I mean, I know you've spent long times at racetracks, you know, with doing test programs when you're at Porsche or various other programs, but you've spent a long time at racetrack. Nothing unusual in that. But this idea of back-to-back weekends, is, is a new thing, isn't it? I mean, mm. We haven't seen it before. It's yeah, it's it's different. It's sort of good because it gives you a chance at redemption if you don't have your act together on the first weekend. You have some time to. Um, there's always there's always a theoretical race, you know, race four. If it's a three race weekend, you when you debrief, you talk about the race four sometimes, and now we have opportunity. So it's um it's it's definitely it's quite good going back to the same week same the same track i should say the following weekend gives you a chance to go back again which is um fantastic opportunity when you're in our position and still really pushing hard to understand our hardware understand our car um improve my driving improve everything we're doing that's speed up that process a little bit for sure and the the short the little bit two-day race meetings are so intense it's 
you know, in all the years I've been racing, they're the most intense days that a racetrack you'll ever go through because day one, normally the Friday at a supercar race meeting, you just have practice, which is relatively low pressure. You, you, you just roll up, you get your iron, you've got enough practice to, to get everything up to speed and slowly build your way into the weekend. Whereas our first day at the track, they're two very short practice sessions right on top of each other. And then straight into the highest pressure part of the race weekend, which is qualifying. And then obviously a race at the end of that day. So you don't have that little warm-up period. And then Sunday morning, obviously, straight into quality again and another couple of races. So they're long days. You've got to stay on top of your hydration and your um, your nutrition and all that because there's, there's no breaks in between to, to get a breath. Um, but also you've got to, from a driving perspective and engineering as well, you've got to have your you got to have your act together because you're you're very quickly into you know a very important aspect of the weekend in qualifying. Now two weekends are back to back Taylor Bend and then the biggest one of all. And of course, I don't know how many you've done, but you've certainly done at least a dozen um, Bathursts. I'll, I'll add them up while we're talking in my head. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, has it been decided as who actually is driving with you? Still working on that. It Still hasn't working been. On that. I, don't, I know, I know, but I, I don't want to announce. Yeah, it hasn't been announced. Be. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm sure no, that's all right. Will be all as, drivers that um, right. It's going to be different anyway because you're going to be you've got four days there at, yeah. uh, at Bathurst, so you're going to have you know oh another one tomorrow oh another one tomorrow and then finally come Sunday morning and you're up at some unbelievable hour to go and yeah. run around in the in the very misty mountain uh, dew sort of thing and, yeah. and get the, the big day. That must be very pleasing in itself that you've actually got that in. Yeah, it would be nice going back to a regular race meeting, a traditional Bathurst format, apart from the fact that four co-drivers haven't driven yet. Yep. won't have driven apart from the guys who are at the test beginning of the year, which feels like a lifetime ago. And I wasn't obviously there either. So, But, um, yeah, no test days for the co-drivers to get up to speed, to check their seats and ergonomic and all those things. No co-driver practices at the race meetings we've done so far, which allow the co-drivers, which I've been on the last few years, um, to just get you to, to slide their way into the team, you know, you you for for a short period of time at those events, you're part of the you're part of the team. You get a feel for the way everything operates, some of the radio protocols and different lane protocols and whatever else is going on. Although they're only short sessions on the track, they definitely definitely make it difference in sort of getting into that race when you're not doing it full time so that's going to be tough this year for the co-drivers particularly i mean very few of them normally they're able to race in support categories or other other types of racing but no one's really been doing anything this year so definitely the more experienced guys and more talented guys have a chance to probably stand out a bit more than others this year i think there's so many experienced co-drivers now that everyone to a large extent, equalizes, at least in terms of their sort of pace. Everyone's very similar these days when you look at all the co-drivers and the main series drivers. You know, no one's seconds off the pace. No giant anymore. gaps. Yeah. No. So, um, but I think the high quality and more tal- talented and experienced guys have opportunities to stand out in different situations this year because they're coming in very cold. And, of course, um, no overseas drivers. Um, it's yeah, locals, Australia, New Zealand, that's it. Which, better for the local driver market. Yeah, indeed. Better for indeed. the locals, for yes, sure. Having, <clears throat> having been that, yeah. The, the, the 888 car, now, it wasn't the first time you'd driven one this year, was it? No, I've been fortunate enough to drive a few 888 cars. I drove um, Paul Crookshank's one with Fabian in 08, and I tested a couple of his 
previous cars as well. And then I drove the JR in 2012, which was a, a um, AAA Falcon. And even the car in 07 I drove for DJR in the Enduros was an old BHAG chassis, but it had all the Triple Eight running gear. For for 07 they'd upgraded their cars. The first year they had Jim Beam, they'd upgraded their cars to all um, as much as they could to T8 running gear. So yeah, driven and the LDM car I raced was obviously Triple Eight as well, but old quite a quite an older one, um, but still car of the future Triple Eight. So yeah, no, have uh, driven. Are you enjoying this car to drive? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But like, you know, they're beautifully engineered cars and you feel as soon as you hop in it, even that one day I did in the car at the Grand Prix, you feel immediately a lot of their strengths and they inspire confidence quite quickly. Always one thing I've noticed over the years, you hop in and the, the braking feels comfortable immediately and you sort of get to a good point quite quickly particularly with that so it allows you to get to a reasonably competitive level where you're not at least not disgracing yourself um quite quickly um but obviously then getting the most out of it really getting those last few tenths out of the car um takes time and understanding as with any car um from a driving perspective and from understanding what the car needs to be doing for it to be quick and then learning with your engineer, how to achieve that that feeling, excuse me, takes a lot of time and that's um, not a quick process. And even with, you know, a common question and a common question for T8 or for any types of customer teams, it doesn't, it actually doesn't matter whether it's with T8 or whether you have a tick for deal or, or some sort of customer arrangement with any of the big operations. It's often a query, why can't we just bolt in set up from Jamie or Shane and go straight to the top. <laughs> and uh, there isn't a simple answer to that, but if you ask any drivers, uh, whether it's Shane or Will who have, or anyone else who's had these customer deals, but I've spoken to both Shane and Will about it because they've driven actually at Techno yes. and, um, and, uh, and both yeah. won races in that team. They'll both say, whenever we tried to put in the setup from AAA, it just didn't quite work. It didn't get, get it. It gets you to a good state. It gets you to a good point, um, but that... You know, you can't cheat. There's no shortcuts in this sport. Um, the support they get, you get from T8 is second to none. I mean, they they really do a fantastic customer deal. And from a hardware perspective, we, we have all the right gear. But unfortunately, there isn't a shortcut in order to get you to a good point. But to, to break into the top 10 and into the top five and even go further than that, it just takes, in the end, it takes hard work a higher level of attention to detail and the preparation of the car. All the, the cars are so complex engineering-wise these days. There's so many areas where the understanding from the engineers and the, the sort of attention to detail from the mechanics is so important that a mil, you know, half a mil out here or there with a, a tiny adjustment um, can make a massive difference. And, yeah, so all those things, that's the process we're going through now and we're – where, as I said before, it was quite satisfying, you know, working really hard, improving some of our systems and procedures, not finding any silver bullets. We didn't, never found any silver bullets, but just doing a better job week by week from on every area. From a driving perspective, I, I'm working hard at keeping my mind open, you know, always looking looking as hard as possible at all the data, always looking at areas, I, you know, at areas where I could be causing the car to do things that I'm complaining about or areas where I can help 
stop it doing from a from a driving perspective and um and at the same time trying to get the car to do what I needed to do. So it's, you know, you've just got to keep an open mind, work hard, look at all the information available and uh, edge away 10 and by 10. getting ready for Taylor and Ben, when have you or will you just sit down and start with uh, Chris Stuckey in, in working out what you need in the car for Taylor and Ben for the particular track? Because you've got two different tracks you've got to prepare for. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we, ha- we haven't looked at the second week yet. Um, that's the, the discussions that are ongoing. They haven't stopped since, yep. um, really since Townsville. We'll give them, I'll give them a bit of a break on the weekend. Stop hassling. <laughs> we all caught up. We all caught up today and and debriefed slashed pre-briefed for um, debriefed from Townsville and pre-briefed for Ben. It in- includes discussions with the T8 guys as well. They um, give us the opportunity to sit with them and um, and go through those processes as well. And, uh, so, yeah. Just very briefly, and I'm not looking for, uh, you know, the, the obviously the, the silver bullet, so to speak. What is it that, that Townsville um, demands that, that Taylor and Ben doesn't want? I mean, you know, in terms of changing the car, do you need, do you need because of the way in which you've got a very fast track in Taylor and Ben compared to Townsville? Does that be right? Uh, there's a lot of differences. The first, I mean, obviously, there's no big curbs and chicanes you're launching the car over at, at um, Bend, so it's, it's it's extremely smooth. It's a beautiful surface there. Townsville has curbs and bumps and all the street track, all the things you expect on tra- street tracks. It's a lot tighter, a lot sharper change of direction, so a lot of long loaded accelerations at, at Townsville as well. The Bend is obviously a lot faster and more flowing, so and it is you not, need not a different approach on the tyres. Very low. Well, that's the net. The surface is the next thing I was going to get to. But the um, yeah. Yep. So there's a, a high priority in in sort of getting the aero working in a certain way at um at the bend. But probably the most significant thing is the surface. It's it's a beautifully smooth surface. But um, on paper, like I've spoken to Sam about it, Sam Shaheen about it, it, it. It's a very high grip surface. But for whatever reason, whatever car you take there. They oversteer around that track. If you drive a career cup car around there, you never have a drama with understeer at the bend for whatever reason. It's very rare. You know, the car's trying, you know, you think about turning and it's, um, you just think about turning the wheel and the car's going sideways. So you need to tune the car to um, to not oversteer too badly. So that, whether it's a career cup car or obviously supercars as well, um, generally the challenge is getting rid of the understeer without compromising uh, the traction. So you're always working hard to try and get the car to turn well, but I dare say that's not going to be the biggest challenge at, at the bend. For whatever reason, I don't have a theory why that's the case, but um, quite a different setup approach for sure. Uh, the one question that I haven't asked you about, and it's one that's been puzzling me for a while, is local legend. I, I really don't know the product. Oh, you need um, to I learn don't... about it, Tony. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the best beef jerky you'll <laughs> ever eat. And I was never a beef jerky I've fan. Seen in the shop. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know the shop. I should find that out. I should know the exact shops, but um, where you buy it. But I've seen it. But it's yeah. You, I recommend the Wagyu beef. The Wagyu beef. Oh, okay. That's my favourite. That's the only one I eat. It's fantastic. Right. Anyway, but it's beef and, jerky. And, and, and is it it's, an um, energy hit? Is it? That's what it's good for, or? No, it's beef jerky. It's I don't. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know. It tastes good though. But it's <laughs> like dried beef. 
Tony, Queenie would be able to give you a better explanation exactly of the process, but it's um, like dried, dried meat in a packet. I, I didn't know that it was Tony Quinn's company. Yes, it's, it is. He, he's one of life's most interesting characters, isn't he? Oh, isn't he? Um, I, never, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. You, always, you always walk out of a conversation with Tony feeling like you've learnt something. <laughs> That's for sure. Look, I, one of the men who played a part in your life, in fact, was Jamie Blakey, of course. And um, I, I was very... Very lucky that I became good friends with him and certainly towards the end of his life. But uh, I, I vividly remember a weekend when Quinny was going to sponsor um, a race meeting. You know the track that was built out near where uh, the Stone Brothers live? I can't remember the name of that race Darlington, track. There. Darlington Park. That's it, Darlington Park. I actually went and visited and a bloke with a shotgun and a dog at his side came and met me at the gate. <laughs> anyway, Quinny was going to sponsor a race meeting at that track, which, of course, it never got a licence for, never going to. And so the money was transferred and it became the VIP Pet Food 500 or whatever it was at Eastern Creek. Right. And I spent the weekend virtually with Jamie and Tony Quinn and learnt so much because I even travelled around when Quinny was setting up the TV cameras. You know, he was being asked, is this where you want your signage? No, the signage has got to go on the other side, not under the camera here. It's on the other just learned so much from him. And, and look, I, I saw him, of course, a, a fair bit this year. I was at both uh, Islands and Hampton where he was, of course, in the TRS. And uh, that's reinvigorated me in going and spending time in five weeks in that uh, Toyota series. It was just wonderful. But, yes, yeah, so Quinny came on board when the team was being put together then. Well, Tony and Jono have had long you know, long working relationships yes. with different sponsorships on Techno. And and I don't I, I don't know exactly how and when they got talking about uh, the sponsorship this year. Um, I wasn't part of yep. that discussion. But by the time I'd come along, that was, that sponsorship was being finalised um, leading up to the Grand Prix. So obviously, you got to remember things changed quite quickly between Clipsal and the Grand Prix, which is only a two week gap. But I, I don't know the ins and outs. I, I always vividly remember there's a couple of drivers, and you've been a professional race driver for a while, and uh, a couple of drivers who I vividly remember maybe not enjoying themselves totally in their sponsors uh, was Garth Tanner in a, uh, not a Kentucky Fried, what's that other chicken shop? Um, Red Rooster. Yes. Garth Tanner doing a store appearance in Darwin at a Red Rooster some years ago. <laughs> HRT colours. He did not enjoy that. And I also remember seeing Greg Murphy at a Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> and he did not enjoy that. <laughs> Fortunately, I'd, I'd say that um, in a similar way to um, maybe Shane in the VIP days, that you being a local legend driver means you don't have to do a store appearances uh, to the same degree. No, well, I, I don't know what would have happened without COVID, but obviously there hasn't been a lot of appearances at all in any way, shape or form this year. That's one thing which... Unfortunately, we haven't been able to provide our sponsors easily. Luckily, if you look up and down pit lane, most of the most of the sponsors um, involved with teams have been very um, understanding and and loyal and and kept things going, even though we haven't been able to sort of uphold parts of our end of the bargain. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Inside Supercars. Alex Davison, we hope and we'll be watching closely this weekend. It's very enjoyable to, to see so much of uh, the uh, events. Um, so you wish much. you well, your, your next uh, period on the road, but certainly maybe after the uh, second of Taylor Bend, you'll be back home again yeah, sort of days yep, of after course. will you? So love to love to chat well, again, I'll give you a debrief. Indeed. Well, that'd be wonderful, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Supercars. Alex Davison, local legends and Team Sydney. Thanks very much, Tony. Cheers, Pro. mate.
Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.